with the Impact Church podcast. Today we want to talk about you serve what you worship. You serve what you worship, and you really do. You know, the anointing comes upon you for service, to act out and to fulfill God's purpose and function in your life. The first time the phrase filled with the Spirit of God was used in the Bible was for Abedalel. And he was somebody who was anointed. He was smeared with the Spirit of God to build the house of God. The anointing, the filling of the Spirit is to engage God's purpose. You serve what you worship, and we worship God, and we serve Him only. So you'll be blessed, and you'll be encouraged to engage in a life of service. Come on, let's get into the Word. So today I want to talk to you about serving. Is that all right? There's massive anointing on this sermon. Serving. Hallelujah. Can you feel it already? How are we excited? Just how to get a Holy Ghost breakthrough serve. How to get a Holy Ghost breakthrough, serve. So Exodus 31, 2 and 3, it says, see, I have called by name Bezalel and the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. Now this is the very first time in the Bible that anybody was filled with the spirit. The very first time. First times are really important. What I think is interesting is that Bezalel was somebody that God anointed to build the house of God. If you're engaged in serving God's purpose, building his house, there is a serious anointing of the Spirit when you get yourself engaged in God's purpose. There really, really is. I'm doing a new system today. It's wireless. I'm doing it right from my phone. Isn't that crazy? So, you know, it was a little bit different in the setup. We got to watch CBC News for a few seconds. But anyway, but here we are. Bezalel, now that's his name. It's three Hebrew syllables. It's, it's the B, the Zal, and the L. Now, first is, means in the shadow of God. His name means in the shadow of God. You know, so here we are in the shadow of here. Here we are under the influence of God. Here we are in very close proximity and very impacted and affected by God in the presence of God, in the shadow of his wing, enraptured, enveloped in God. That was Bezalel. He was in the shadow of God. The very first person in Scripture described as who the Spirit fell on. So the Spirit builds the house of God. That's what the Spirit's doing. The Spirit is here putting lives together, taking living stones and putting them together because it's through that God's going to reveal his glory in the earth. It's through the community. It's through the building together. It's through the connection that God manifests as that is my dwelling place. Where is God? He's there. We are the dwelling place of God on earth. And it's through that manifestation. The dwelling place of God needs to out, do outreach. But it's the most powerful revelation of God is not going telling people they need Jesus. It's manifesting the community of heaven. Because that is so attractive. They'll know, they'll know your disciples because of your love for one another. You know, when we went to Jamaica, we had a team went to Jamaica. There was myself and Mr. Zimmer and Ben and uh, Brad and Stefan. And there was five of us. We went, we were helping build a church and, and putting a roof on a church, doing some things, having fun. And then we ministered at their national conference. And when we got there, they said we had a few different speakers in the morning. But would you just take all the mornings and just minister with your team? I went, sure. So I suddenly told our guys, you're sharing tomorrow. You're sharing tomorrow. You're sharing tomorrow. And everybody got involved and everybody shared. It was so amazing. And in the last night, we were walking out, the five of us just, you know, headed back to uh, our hotel. And one of the pastors came running out after us. He stopped. And he said, Pastor, I want to say this to you. 
He says, your words have been wonderful and the things you've shared have been wonderful, but I have been impacted mostly by the way you guys interact with each other. He says, I've just observed how you guys care for each other, how much fun you have together, the way you just encourage each other. And he says, I've just watched the five of you as you've been with us for a week. He says, you guys have ministered to my soul. Your relationship has caused me to encounter God. And you see, it says in, in Ephesians, it says the power of God is manifest in the joining. So it's in the joining. It's in the manifestation of God is in the connection. And what that pastor saw, he heard us speak words. He heard us share things. But our joining was the biggest message. Our connection point was a bigger message than any word we shared. And you know what? That's because the church and the connection point, the body of Christ being joined together, that is the biggest message to a broken world. They don't care what you're saying. They care if you can actually actualize it, authenticate it, and actually manifest that it works. And so we need to be that kind of community. And so they were building that. So there's another guy. In, in him and Aholiab, the son of, uh, the son of I call him Ashi for short. Anyways, but of the tribe of Dan. And he filled them with skill to do all manner of work. And his name was a compound name. And his name meant the Father's Tent. So you had in the shadow of God, the Father's Tent. In the shadow of God, these two guys, in the shadow of God, the Father's Tent is established and built. That's these guys' two names. So these two guys uh, are two craftsmen. They were fashioned, uh, have individuals fashioned items and trained others to do the work. Uh, and, but it was Moses who assembled it and put it all together. So there's two people that uh, trained other people, and they did an amazing job of gold, of, uh, of all types of crafts to establish the tabernacle of God. And they were anointed to do it. It wasn't just natural skill. It was the anointing. What's going to do this? The anointing is going to shatter the yoke. It's not by might or by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And the anointing is really going to make it happen. But Moses established and he placed every single article. It's that whole aspect of everyone understanding the role, everybody being self-actualized, everybody giving their strength to community is how we're going to change the whole world. Thank you. So Exodus 40, 32 and 34, it says, as the Lord commanded Moses, you can go through the end of Exodus and, and those passages, as the Lord commanded Moses, as the Lord commanded Moses, as the Lord commanded Moses, as the Lord commanded Moses. It's over and over and over again. And Moses did everything exactly as the Lord commanded him. And he did it exactly as the Lord, it says, so Moses finished the work and then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. But you see, this will not happen unless everyone is self-actualized. Everyone experiences their union together with God, but also their union together with one another. It's in our fellowship and the manifestation of our fully actuated and realized fellowship. That's how London's going to change. Oh, no, it's going to change by this and that and the other thing. I'm telling you, God has already established a way, and it's as the Lord has commanded. And God has said, I'm going to dwell in the church, and I'm going to build my church. And how are the gates of hell going to be kicked out and dethroned? It's through a revelation of Jesus church, the body of Christ. So Matthew 16, 8, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
Right now, a lot of people just so much going on, so many terrible things. Oh, my goodness. The world's a mess. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm telling you, you know what's going on right now? If you look in the spirit, you can see what's going on right now. What's going on right now? Jesus is building his church, and the gates of hell will not be able to withstand the forceful advance of a community that is manifesting the love and the goodness and the kindness of God. And this world is going to be transformed by a living, manifesting, dwelling place of God that moves together, walks together, and demonstrates his love and kindness in reality. That's what it's all about. That's why church isn't something you just add on. It's, you know, I, I, I go to church once in a while. I, you know, I, I belong somewhere. You know, I know where the Lord has planted me and fixed me, and I know that he's called me there, and I know that my giftings and callings are together with that group of people manifesting the goodness of God and fulfilling his eternal purpose in this generation. I had more than three grunts there. That's awesome. First Peter 2.5, you also, as living stones, are being built together into a spiritual house. You are a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God. And then after that, it says, and through that revelation, that's how I'm going to display my honor and glory and tell the world who I am is through your community. That's what God's going to do. He's limited himself to that. There's no other way. There's no plan B. It's his eternal purpose that the glory is filling the earth through the rising up and the establishment of his community. Thank you. There you go. Boom. Ephesians 2, 19 to 22, having been built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted grows together. It together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Paul said that is the eternal purpose of God. The eternal purpose of God isn't to get a few people into heaven. The eternal purpose of God is to get heaven into earth, and heaven is going to come into earth through the manifestation of a living, live, lively stone community that manifests the dwelling place of God. <sighs> Stop and take a breath. 1 Corinthians 12.1, now concerning spirituals, it's pneumaticos. It actually, gifts isn't even there. It's not in the original language. It's concerning spirituals, concerning spiritual ways of doing things, concerning the spiritual activity of God, I don't want you to be ignorant. But you see, there are spiritual things. There are placements. There are deposits of God. There are relationships of God. There are ways that God plants us and pulls us together, and we should not be ignorant of spirituals. Sadly, we know more about carnal stuff than we do about spiritual stuff. We're fighting a spiritual battle with carnal weapons, and we're wondering why we're not having any luck. Luck, that's horrible. Don't use that. That's a short name for Lucifer, lucky. Anyways, we don't need luck. We're blessed. Amen. But we're not getting results because we keep on fighting it. It's like David tried to bring the glory of God to town on the ox cart, right? That's how the Philistines travel. That's how they carried the glory. They didn't know what they were doing. And they were saying, get away. And we decided to take a, a carnal vehicle and try to bring the glory to town. What happened? People died. Somebody put their hand on. The ark said, I'm off. I'm not, gonna, I'm not on this. The ark said, get me out of here. You know, it, it stumbled in the valley of Nacor. What does Nacor mean? Nacor means preparation. We stumble in the realm of preparation. We are preparing things that God has never ordained. We are trying to bring the glory of God on things that God has never authorized, and we're wondering why we're getting no results. See, but the glory of God, David sent the glory away, and he sent it to Obed-Edom's house, and yet Obed-Edom's house was, was blessed. Why? Simply because he opened the door and let the glory of God come in. Wherever the glory of God is, there's blessing. 
And we want the glory of God. David was right in his understanding of the revelation. I need the glory to come to town. We need the glory to come to town. But you see, what is an ox cart? Let me tell you what an ox cart is. It's big wheels and boards. That's what an ox cart is. Let me break it down to its simplest form. There's wheels and there's boards. And we keep on using big wheels and boards thinking that we're going to bring the glory of God to town. The glory to God. David went and he said, hey, how's things going at Obed-Edom's house? And they went and they researched it. And when they, what they found out was he's blessed. David said, he's blessed? Are you kidding me? When I set the ark there, it was killing people. He's blessed? And when David found he was blessed, he said, I want the blessing in Jerusalem. And so David sent for the ark to bring it. And see, when he, when he started to bring it, it blew up. And, and, but what he realized was he did it. He told the priest, go study how we carry that thing. And they came back and said, you carry it on the shoulders. It's us. You carry it on the shoulders. Go touch your shoulder. And his government shall be upon his shoulders. You see, it's upon, it's upon this community. It's upon his shoulders. And you see, you don't, you don't carry uh, the presence of God and the goodness of God on the schemes and plans and boards and big wheels of man. You carry it, every one of you. You are the carriers of the anointing of God. And the body of Christ, us being knit together, we are the dwelling place of God. And we keep on using fallen, broken systems to try to bring about godly results. But I tell you, it's the church. It's everyone in the church understanding their setting, understanding what their role is. That's how the whole thing is going to be manifest. So it says that we grow up into all things into him who's the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined together, knit together by every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. That means every one of us have to understand our placement in the body of Christ. And when every one of us functions, when every one of us is engaged, it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Can I get an amen? Yes. All right, 1 Corinthians 12, 18. But now God has set the members, each of them in the body, as he pleased. So the word set means to fix, to establish, literally to nail in place. So why are you at Impact Church? I heard they had a cool worship team. I like the dark room and the lights. I like that it doesn't have a steeple. Well, we're going to have a steeple in a couple weeks. Praise Jesus. You know, God sets you. Why are you here? Because God planted me here. People come to me and say, should I come to your church, Pastor? I go, I don't know. You should talk to Jesus. Because it says people are set in the body of Christ as he wills. And when you know it, you know it. And if you're not, you're not. But I know a lot of people that are, that have found a way to not. <laughs> it's kind of funny. But you know what? Because this culture, the generation, the spirit of our age is not to connect. It's to disconnect. And that's a Jezebel spirit. Jezebel is a spirit of not connecting. It says, I will not cohabitate. A Jezebel spirit refuses to cohabitate and connect and join. But you see, that's the spirit of our age, and it's a horrible thing. But when you are willing to say, I accept that God set me, and when you make that decision and you embrace it, it's amazing. For you, brethren, you've been called to liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for flesh, but through love, serve one another. Say, serve one another. Amen. I hope that every week you're saying, how, how can I serve? How can I minister in the body of Christ? Who can I serve? Matthew 4.10, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. I don't know what happened to the TV at the back there, but it usually has my countdown on it, so I have no idea what time it is. So that's all right, eh? I don't know. I, I start to get all freaked out, and I'm like, my God, I can't see the clock. But anyway, that's okay. So look, look at this. It says, 
worship, serve. Did you know that you serve what you worship? And if I observed you for a week, I would tell you who God is in your life. If I observed you for a week and watched where you spent your time, your energy, if I checked out your checkbook and your bank account, I would quickly see, because you're working, you are giving time every week in exchange for finances. You are placed somewhere, you're working, and, and you're giving your energy, and you're, you're sowing, and uh, you're the fruit of your labor, you're being blessed. But you know, in the end, you are going to take what you got, all that time you spent, and you're blessed, what are you going to do with that, you know? And I'd be able to see really what you worship, what's important to you. And, you know, Jesus said, you worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. What are you serving? Where are you serving? I'll tell you something. I know a lot of people, when I was a kid, my parents chose their jobs, their careers, all their relationships, everything else. The first thing they determined in their life is, where are you planting me in the body of Christ? And then they made other decisions. Their first decision was, Lord, where are you planting us as children of God? And, you know, you got to figure that out. But when you know that and you're worshiping him in a community, that's where you really serve. I never want to tell people, would you please, we've got some signs up, some things we're doing this week. We need some help. We could use some help if you don't mind. I'm begging you to serve. You don't, you don't have to beg people to serve when their worship world is right. You don't have to beg people to serve the body of Christ when they've got their priorities aligned properly. Did I tell you this is an anointed sermon? Hey! You know, let's cut to the chase. I mean, my goodness, don't tell me. I'm absolutely committed to God. Well, Jesus is building his church. Jesus is committed to his community. Jesus is committed to a community that is really manifesting its love, its concern, its blessing. for And they move together as an army. They are linked arm in arm, and they don't break ranks. You know, bang, that's what it's about. You serve what you worship. You know, I worship him. I love him. You know what he's building? You know what he's doing? You know what's important to him right now? Is that his body grows powerfully and mightily and fills the earth with his goodness and his grace. Can I get an amen? Can I get a reluctant hallelujah? hallelujah. Oh, wow. Okay. The Pareto Principle. People, you've heard the Pareto Principle before. Let me give you the Pareto Principle. It's a principle also known as the 80-20 rule. It's the law of the vital few and the principle of factor sparsity. It's a real law. You can fact check me now. Pull out your phones and Google the Pareto Principle. It states that for many events, roughly 80% of the effects come from 20% of the causes. In any event, Roughly 80% of the effects come from 20% of the causes. So that means if we got 10 people, the results of our dwelling together is mostly because of two people. Eight of them really aren't given their strength. They're just watching what goes on. And that's often true in church. If we look at how things happen, we look at who shows up when we need to get things done, it's them same people always there. Wow, they keep on showing up. And, you know, we often get 20% of the body is actually really activated in their gifting. You know, and your gifting may not be to come help move stuff. Fantastic. There's some people your gift is to give. I mean, I look at it. We got like some 20 people or more that they just show up. Every day somebody's knocking on our door, handing us cooked and baked goods and all these things baskets of stuff that we got a team of people that are taking out in the community to homeless people. You know, you may not feel like, I don't think my ministry is homeless people. My ministry is not baking. I mean, I could do it, but it wouldn't be pleasant. But there's some really nice stuff coming in. The odd time I've sampled it, and it's really, really good. And Stefan will tell you that when they see him coming, they run because they're like, oh my goodness, here comes Stefan. Because the stuff that comes out of this place, it's really, really good. But you know what? There's places for you to plug in. I'm not saying you got to come and help me lift a pew. 
It, that's not your calling. What is your calling? What is your gifting? What is your placement? And when we all understand how we're related to the body of Christ, I tell you, that's going to bring you incredible joy. Did I tell you already how anointed this sermon is? All right, so that's what it is. So we want to remove that principle, though. We want to remove it from impact. We want 100% of people moving together because that's really going to cause the glory of God to be manifest in its maximum impact. So we label things according to the value we have for it. It's sad. We do, you know? How many have ever had a garage sale? How many have ever been to a garage sale? How many have heard about garage sales? All right, very good. Thank you. I had an uncle who used to love. He went to garage sales every Saturday. He mapped it out and he went because he would always find people throwing out incredible furniture. And he loved to finish furniture and he would and he just did it as a hobby on the side. He said, You can't believe what some people are throwing out. They say, Ah, 50 bucks, whatever. And the pieces are beautiful. And he so he would go out and find those things and do it. But you know that happens. So garage sales, something that is of no value or it's lost value to, it's often sold for very little. So some people find treasures when others consider junk. You know what? There's treasures in this community. There's treasures all over this city. There's people right now, their lives are broken, and they're going to be some of the most amazing world shakers and changers we've ever seen. You know that? And it's real important stuff. But you know, sometimes you sit there and go, but I, I, I don't, what can I do, Pastor? I, I really don't have very many strengths. I'm not strong. I, you know, I, I, I don't know what gifting. You have giftings. You have abilities. So there was a garage sale, and I heard about this. Now, a couple had a wedding gift, and it was this mirror, and it had this kind of ugly bluish aqua trim around it. It was just, you know, they're kind of like you get those wedding gifts, you're like, that's really great. And you almost feel like I got to keep it because somebody you know gave it to you, and what if they come by the house and wonder where that is? And, and you're feeling like, I better keep it. I better hang on to it. But you're just feeling it's really ugly. Well, this couple finally decided, you know what? It's time. It's going out on the yard sale. So they put out this mirror with this ugly trim around it, and they put it out there. And, and when somebody came and said, how much for it? I said, oh, you know what, honestly, if you give me a buck, you'll do me a favor because I've been moving it three or four times. We keep on shoving it in a closet somewhere. So you do me a big favor to get rid of it. And the person said, wow, I can't believe it. That's so fantastic. Here's a dollar. And then they proceeded to peel off the aqua trim. And what they found out was that aqua trim covered up an 18-karat gold thing that surrounded this whole mirror. And it was a beautiful, beautiful mirror. And then they're standing there going like they had no idea the value of what they had in their home. And they sold it for a buck. Because they didn't understand the value of it. They, they peeled back the film and exposed costly gold plating finish around this mirror. And it was a beautiful, beautiful piece of art. So Jesus doesn't see tax collectors, prostitutes, drug addicts, drunks, or losers. You know, Jesus sees through the protective film. Jesus sees through the messed up things that the world has put on people. He sees through that mess. He sees through the words that have been spoken over people, the hopelessness that they've experienced. He sees through that, and what he sees is treasure. And we see treasure. You know, what I see when I look at you guys today, I see people that, you know, us moving together, arm in arm, hooked in in strength. There is no from the least of us to the greatest. There's none of that because every one of us are essential in the body of Christ. What you bring, I cannot be complete without you. God has gifted you in a way, and he's gifted me in a way that when we connect, there's a manifestation of God's power. You know, when you connect, you'll be actualized, other people will be actualized, and God's glory will be revealed, and the world will be changed. See, when we connect, we begin to serve one another, and we just loose that spirit of God. When the spirit of God is on you, why does the spirit of God come? To build his house. How do we build his house? Together, we serve the purpose of God. So the anointing comes upon you to serve. If serve isn't somewhere in the teaching of the anointing, it's not the real anointing of God. Because the anointing is always to build 
his agenda, to move forward his program, and to move together. So you are gifted, and you are gifted to serve.